welcome into another episode of the Balls, Buckets, and Bowl podcast. It is episode 43 for Super Bowl 53. Got on the horn, Derek Nielsen's. How's it going, buddy? Hey, man. How's it going? Doing good. Finally, finally back this podcast is after a long hiatus. Had some scheduling issues, had some Christmas and New Year's issues. Hopefully, Derek hated New Year's again. That was a good episode last year. We are back for a game breakdown, quick playoff recap, some prop bets, lots of good stuff. You excited, Derek? Oh, yeah. Really pumped, man. There's uh, some fun prop bets, too. Can't wait to go over those later as well. So really quick, we'll go over the playoff recap. Mostly want to just touch on the conference championship games, but should note that first time playoff QBs in the wildcard round were 0-3. I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought it was also interesting that the Ravens left um, Lamar in, even down 23-3 to with Flacco sitting on the bench, uh, considering how run heavy that team was. Um, I think the Colts defense is going to be pretty good in years to come. Just needs a couple more pieces, but Obviously, the biggest thing to come from the playoff games before the Super Bowl was probably that no call on the obvious pass interference game, uh, pop pass interference with the game tied late in the fourth quarter of the Rams-Saints game. Do you think the NFL does any changes in the offseason to at least review pass interference, maybe in the at least the last two minutes, Derek? Um, you know, this, this has been talked about a lot. I just I personally think that's like a dangerous path to go down. Um, I know that that's obviously a terrible call. Um, but, you know, every play on the field, um, you know, there's always there's always missed calls, whether it's like a sneaky hold or, you know, just contact down the field i think i'd just be worried if they do change the rules in that way you know like how much time is it going to take for uh them to review like all these plays i mean perhaps in the last couple of minutes that would make more sense um you know because this is a particularly egregious call there's an argument that that ball was tipped at the line or at least they thought so but because they didn't throw the flag they couldn't review it anyways um it, it, you know it's a good question I, it, it's something they're looking at i think the nfl has already sort of admitted through other news sources that they they know that they missed the call. Now how are they going to fix it? I'm not sure, but I think it's kind of a dangerous path when we start looking at every little thing on the field. Yeah, I think does the NFL change the rule? Probably not. Should they? I think the last two minutes at least would probably be good um, considering they review everything anyways. So, you know, might as well just try to get the last two minutes definitely right, especially when these games get so close. What the oddly part is, I'm kind of curious why the game was pretty badly coached. I thought the Saints should have used Michael Thomas more instead of just running Mark Ingram into Donald and Sue. He only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. Also, McVay choosing to kick the field goal from from the one yard line with fourth and goal uh, with the tie game didn't seem wise, considering they have basically turned C.J. Anderson into a human bowling ball. I, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, some of the coaching decisions were uh, particularly interesting, kind of like against what they're, they've been known for all season. Um, I, I think, you know, going back to the end of the game, uh, why did why was Peyton throwing the ball so much when it seems like they kind of had it in the bag if they just ran the ball down the gut a little bit um, there? Um, I, fi- I found that particular yeah. uh, particularly curious, but um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, maybe maybe the coaches are trying to like outthink each other and switch up their game plans. I'm not sure because you know McVeigh usually is not very conservative in the goal line, like you already mentioned. 
Um, yeah, just kind of an interesting game, although extremely entertaining. Very entertaining. So the other game, the Patriots win, obviously, in overtime. I think the key part was the defense played really well for the Patriots. They held Tyreek Hill to only one catch for 42 yards, Kelsey for three catches and 23 yards, and Damian Williams for 10 for 30 yards. If you told me that the Patriots' defense would co- would not let Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Damian Williams reach 100 total yards combined, I would be pretty surprised. I thought it was a very impressive road performance in Arrowhead, but the main question from that game came, should the NFL change the overtime rules to allow each team a, a minimum of one possession each? What do you think, Derek? Um, yeah, this is you know, another controversial point, I think, uh, overtime rules, you know, I understand how, like, you know, why they are the way they are, um, in the regular season, I think they're fine, you know, um, it is what it is, but, um, I think in overtime, you know, the question becomes, um, you know, should each team get the ball, like perhaps a 25 yard line and get a chance to score, uh, or maybe just, uh, play the entire overtime period. Um, and that's it, you know, um, but I've heard both of those suggestions and I kind of like both. I understand, you know, okay, if you're already in overtime anyways, um, you shouldn't be there in the first place. So, you know, if, if even though it's up to a coin toss, you know, you'd, you should have had other chances to win. Like, you obviously did not do everything in your power to win um, if it's that close. Now, um, the question becomes also, like, uh, like it, when you have Patrick Mahomes, who's like a, a, one of the – biggest MVP candidates right now. Uh, you didn't even get to see a chance to get, get him to bounce back to Tom Brady's touchdown drive. So if anything, the fans kind of got gypped on that with, without seeing, you know, Mahomes at least get a chance to bring them back. Um, and there's, there'll be some more entertainment value in that. So that was a little frustrating for a lot of people, including me, especially when that game was just so tight for so long. Again, I, I think these rules don't have to be so black and white. I mean, the main reason why they wanted to shorten the overtime in the first place from 15 minutes to 10 minutes is because, and I still don't know why, but they they want the games to be over so that way they can kick off the shows that they have planned behind it so that way they're not you know losing airtime. I think it'd be pretty reasonable to just change this rule so that way each team has a possession in the playoffs. I mean, it makes sense to me. If it's the you know It's the biggest game biggest games of the season, you know, why not give each team a chance to score? And, you know, I, I, I do see the point that at some point your defense has to step up, but I would like to see Patrick Mahomes with the ball again and just, you know, see if he can come back as well. So let's go ahead and move on to Super Bowl 53. We're going to start with a uh, game breakdown, basically what we think each team's uh, units are going to try to do, starting with the Rams in particular, their offense, Gurley was essentially benched for C.J. Anderson. He only played four snaps, and he actually said after the game that he was healthy. Goff looks to have been grounded by McVay, basically calling games like a college football game, literally just audibling at the line, you know, getting set quickly, audibling at the line based off of what they're seeing, getting cued from this headset by McVay. I think it's pretty interesting that they're going into the Super Bowl with a quarterback who's getting coddled with their star running back pretty much benched. And, you know, they still win, they're still winning games. Uh, it's surprising. I don't know if it'll work versus the Patriots, but 
I think that they're going to continue to run. They've had a 60% run rate on first and second down six, since week 16. This offense has clearly changed from the, you know, the flashy offense we saw Monday Night Football versus the Chiefs. They, like I said, they have the 60% run rate and a 63% run success rate. So they have been running it very well since week 16. So Derek, what do you think the Rams will try to do on offense? Um, you know, your, your point about Gurley, I find really interesting. You know, he, it, they're, they're using CJ Anderson much more and he's getting more production there. Uh, he's certainly taking advantage of uh, the in and out uh, visits uh, down in his new team in LA. That's for sure, man. That guy's looking pretty massive lately. Um, the question is, will they, will they try Gurley early? See if he's doing well. I mean, I think he's trying to tough guy this one out. Um, he, I think he's a little injured or, you know, unless he's just having some, you know, a rough patch, but it, it seems like something's going on there. There's not that explosiveness there. Um, you know, I think part of the what you're saying about Goff being coddled is, I mean, he's still throwing 40 passes. I see what you're saying. Like, he's there's kind of like auto-balling at the line and McVay's kind of going on a whim right there. But um, I think that's what makes him kind of good. Uh, it's perfect for McVay's, McVay's uh, scheme. You know, Goff's, uh, you know, uh, kind of pretty much an amateur. You know, he's only in the league for a few years, and it, it makes him extremely coachable. McVay can kind of do whatever he wants there. Um, but I do agree. Um, it, it, it is interesting that they're – one of their main stars for a while, Gurley, is is struggling, and you know they're not giving Goff as much independence, and they're still winning these games. So I think they're going to try Gurley early. If it's not working out, of course they're going to try Anderson. And um, yeah, uh, McVay's just just going to try and be creative and aggressive, and have some have something in his bag of tricks, and try and pull this one out. On the defensive side, I think it's going to be very important that Sue and Donald control the line of scrimmage, and they might need to force an extra body in there. But you know, knowing that New England doesn't really have a deep threat that they can rely on, sure they have you know Patterson. Maybe they introduce him a little bit more. Obviously, Hogan has did a little has done a little more with Josh Gordon now off the team, but he's still not someone I don't think the Rams are scared of as a deep threat. Chris Edelman's obviously stays mostly in the slot. James White still catching underneath passes. But, I mean, if, if I'm the Patriots, it looks like they're pretty much just going to try to run the ball and do, you know, quick, short, intermediate passes. You got to think the defense probably just tries to shut down the run game, play, you know, short zone and uh, press man coverage and just try to get get to Brady up the middle, which has always been his kryptonite. But I think that's going to be the key. Can Ndamukong Sue and Donald control the line of scrimmage, prevent New England from establishing the ground game, prevent them from running lots of play action. If they do, I think they're going to have a good chance to win this football game. Yeah, um, I think it, it's frustrating because the Rams, you know, the Rams' defense up front is is so so good. The rush defense has been really great. You know, I expect that to continue. But Brady just hasn't been touched like in the playoffs so far. I think uh, last game against the Chiefs, he only got touched once. So I mean, it's pretty frustrating as a defense if you're trying to rush him and you know get in his face, put some pressure on him. And he's just, you know, taking three steps back and doing these short little passes because, like you said, they don't have a deep threat. So um, th- that's going to be pretty key, uh, stopping that rush defense, trying to get trying to get anything on Tom Brady. But then you got to rely on your corners um, and Peters and Shields to kind of shut down those short passes when they need to. Moving on over to the Patriots side, I think the question will be, can they establish Sony Michelle on early downs? Like the Rams, they have also turned into a run first team. They got a 53% run rate on first and second down with a 50% success rate since week 16. They're going to have to get a big game out of their possession players such as Edelman and White since, like I said, they don't have the deep threat. 
I think this is going to be one of Brady's bigger games because they're going to need him to make good calls at the line of scrimmage to make sure they're audibling out of obvious blitzes, obvious uh, run stopping plays and make sure that they get their players who are good in space in the right position. What do you think, Dirk? Yeah, I think on the Patriots offense, it's been pretty clear. Uh, it's, it's a possession game. I think they, uh, I forgot what the position count was for, uh, versus Chiefs, but it was quite drastically different. They ran a ball a lot and had a lot more time in possession and ran a lot more plays. Um, I think their their plan here is probably just going to run early, see if they can get Michelle going, but their, their main key here is to wear down uh, Donald and, and the Rams up front and give them an opportunity to uh, maybe get some deep passes later on. But I think that I think that's the game plan there, just game possession. Pretty cool to see Brady come out and say, no matter what, this isn't going to be his last game. He will definitely play at least one more year for New England. Uh, any thoughts about that? Yeah, um, he, they were showing that new interview where he kind of just confirmed that. That was pretty interesting. I think a lot of Patriots haters uh, are getting frustrated. Like, he's just not going away. But, you know, at this point, it's um, – it's just crazy. He's gonna. He's, he's like changing the game. I can't imagine his stats if he stays in the league until he's forty-five. Um, what you know? What the hell those would be? Um, but yeah, he's he keeps throwing that number forty-five out there. I mean, barring a significant injury, which you can't really predict, uh, if he wants to do it, then that's pretty insane. Um, we'll see if it happens. All right. So before we get into the defensive part, this is obviously Bill Belichick's uh, his area of operation. I think it's worth noting a key thing about this game. And I don't know. I honestly haven't really seen too much coverage about it. It's the coaching battle. So basically all season ESPN and other, you know, NFL covering sports sites have basically paraded Sean McVay around. He's the best. He's up and coming. He's so young. He already has a coaching tree and me myself. I really like him. I think he's going to be great for a long time. With all that said, you know, now he's in the Super Bowl, but at the time all this was coming out, he hadn't done anything. He hadn't gone even to the playoffs or, and won a game. There was like literally nothing on his resume outside of, you know, flashy highlights and a lot of, you know, yards and points scored. And so if you're kind of looking at this game, on the other side of the football field is what is pretty much regarded by a lot of people as the greatest NFL coach of all time and Bill Belichick. He you know, was able to stop the Kansas City offense at home in its tracks, which was very impressive considering most people thought the New England defense was pretty poor. So I think that's a very big part of this game, and it's a little underrated. I definitely know that Bill Belichick is not treating this, you know, as it, even if obviously it's a Super Bowl, so he's not. But there's definitely some aspect that he is knows that the other man on the other side of the field is getting all the praise and love, and he never has. He's pretty much – he's gotten love, but he hasn't gotten to it, I, I think, that the extent that Sean McVay has this season. And I think that's going to play a key uh, role in this game that we might not really see, but I definitely know it's there. What do you think about that sort of narrative, Derek? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't uh, haven't thought too, too much about that, but you got to think that there is a little resentment there, you know, how – uh, McVay is just getting all this praise all of a sudden. Belichick's been the legacy, like the GOAT, for so long. You know, um, it's just an interesting coaching matchup here, where uh, you know you you have Belichick, who's been great for ne- nearly two decades, and now you have McVay. It's almost like uh, the changing of the guard potentially. If McVay can, can somehow pull this off, I think it's pretty exciting and um, a narrative you don't see very often, especially in the in the Super Bowl. Usually, you have pretty veteran um, 
coaches have been around for a while and kind of duking it out. But yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's really fat. I mean, you know, especially in the regular season too, there was like a stretch there where they kind of started to struggle, barely won versus the Packers, lost versus the Bears, lost versus the Eat versus the Eagles. And he's one of those coaches where every time a team has them up on the schedule, up on the docket, that coach for that team has been seeing the, you know, the press, the reviews for him, just seeing everyone go crazy and thinking, okay, that, you know, I think I'm pro I spent this much time in the league. I've put all this time in and this guy's getting paraded for what, for no playoff victories, for just putting up a lot of points. You know what I mean? I think, I think he's going to be, you know, his competitors are going to put up that much more work every time he's across the field from them now. So Definitely something to look forward to. Definitely something that I think will be a big part of the game. But now let's actually go into the defensive side. I think that they're going to try to just confuse Goff at the line of scrimmage. You saw what they basically were able to do with the Chiefs. I think they can replicate that. Try to give them you know phony looks in the beginning part of the of the play clock, and then when he goes to audible, basically just change the play up or you know give him fake looks so that way that's not actually the play. Hope he audibles in a bad play. Hope he leaves his, his team in a bad situation and try to take advantage. They're obviously going to have to stop the run game. They can't let C.J. Anderson just bowl over them for 100, 150-plus yards. That's not how they're going to win this football game. I think they win this football game by you know, giving a lot of disguises at the line of scrimmage, changing and making sure that they are still set up in a good spot. And just waiting for Goff to make mistakes. I mean, it's it's the biggest game of his entire life. You got the other guy on the side of the other ball who it's he's pretty much used to this at this point. So I think that's pretty much how they'll try to approach this game. And you know, it may be pretty obvious, but it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see who can, you know, disguise their defense more versus Sean McVay knowing what's going on. Yeah, I think I think the clear uh advantage here for the Patriots on defense is just taking taking advantage of a Goff's lack of experience, as you as you were saying. Um, you know, in that Chiefs game, how they how they shut down all their key weapons. It seems like the Patriots always seem to do that. And I think um, you know, if they can control that run and control Cooks and Woods and force Goff to, you know, look at look at those uh uh changes up front that they're gonna try and get him with, uh, and then he has to throw like Josh Reynolds a lot or rely on that, you know, or his or his tight ends, you know, he's he's gonna be severely limited. And the one thing about Jared Goff is I don't know, like so some games he has like magnificent games. He's like performing amazingly, but sometimes he has some clunkers out there. You know, who's going to who's going to show up at the Super Bowl? Because, I mean, there are some games I remember where he, he got a few interceptions, just didn't look didn't look that crisp. And then he has some games that, you know, he was amazing. I, mean, I remember one game in particular um, early on in the season. Didn't he have like five touchdown passes? It was like crazy. So, um, you know, it's just it's just who's going to show. But I think, yeah, for, for the Patriots defense, um, definitely try and confuse golf. Just take care of you know, um, take advantage of his lack of experience. All right. I think that's pretty much it for our game sort of breakdown. Anything else you want to add from the game as a whole? I think special teams are probably pretty much nil. Um, Greg Zerline obviously proved his uh, worth, his clutchness by kicking two very necessary field goals versus the Saints. Uh, Goskowski, there's really nothing I need to say there. Um yeah, anything else you want to add, Derek, to the game breakdown? Well, on, on, on Zerline, they, they were talking about how he was injured and he was in like a boot or something like that uh, recently. But apparently he injured it in the game where he ended up score, um, kicking that 57-yard 
game winner. So maybe they're just like nursing that. I, I don't think that's a big factor um, in, in the grand scheme of things because, um, I mean, like I said, he, he did the game winner even though he's he was apparently injured that game. So Ingrown we'll toenail. See. Uh, I don't know. He hit. It was, it was a weird description. He hit like a metal plate with his. Uh, uh, I forgot what I forgot, but he's in a boot this week. Um, uh, at least at, that they saw it early on this week in practice or later last week. All right, Derek. Let's go ahead and give our spread picks slash total picks. And I want to take with this. Don't just give the pick. I want to take. I want to. I want to know how you see the game flowing. What you think? So. The spread opened up as a pick'em, and was quickly bet down to New England minus New England minus two and a half. I I saw when whenever the games ended, I saw New England as a pick'em, and I thought that was hilarious. I mean, regardless of how you feel about the teams, no way should Goff and McVeigh versus um, versus Brady and Belichick be a pick'em. I mean, just in in no sense does you know in no world does that make sense. So. Pretty uh, not surprised at all to see that quickly bet down. The total has come down from 57.5 to 56.5. So I'll go ahead and toss it to you, Derek. How do you see this game flowing? Who do you think wins? And what do you? what is your uh, spread pick'em and total pick'em strategy? Well, I mean, um, this this is, a, this is a classic Super Bowl pick that I've, I've always liked um, in terms of just how the game's going to flow. It, it's, a, it's a big stage. It's always like kind of feeling out each other at the beginning of the game. So I always like to kind of be on the side of the unders in pretty much any bet, uh, particularly in the beginning of the game. Um, uh, so, so out of the over-under, I can see why it's getting bet down um, to 56.5 right now. I would still go under that um, on that total. I think it would be close. But um, I would probably take the under on that, um, on the fifty-six and a half. Particularly, there's some there's some other little props you can do. Uh, where 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 did I put that here? Oh, so the first half under is under twenty-seven and a half. Over under that. Um, I would I particularly like that one simply because, like I said, it's going to be pretty slow in the beginning. I think just kind of feeling each other out, and they'll probably light it up more in the second half. Um, so that's one thing that caught my eye. And then there's also a bet for more points in the second half. That's favored at minus 120. That I think that's going to be a given, uh, particularly if one, uh, one team's down and kind of has to play catch up and be more aggressive. Uh, you usually see that anyways in a lot of games. Um, uh, in regards to the spread, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised the Patriots are <laughs> were bet down so fast. Uh, apparently all most of the money coming in right now, I think it's about 80% is on the Patriots, which makes sense. It's kind of hard to like bet against Tom Brady and – Belichick for this and I want to be uh you know controversial and go against that like I want to pick the Rams but um I just I just have to pick the Patriots here I mean it's just it's hard not to when you have Brady and Belichick on that end um I think this I think this number at minus two and a half is going to stay there because from what I've heard from a lot of just sources around the net that that the the books, the books, uh, all the casinos want to keep this at uh, minus two and a half simply because the pro money is going to jump on it. It was minus three, and they know that's going to happen, so they'll keep it at minus two and a half for now as long as possible. Um, but yeah, I, I think I just got to go with the Patriots here because two and a half is just a kind of a juicy number. Like they all they have to do is win by a field goal, you know. So um, I'd probably take that. I'm assuming you meant the Rams if it went to minus three. Oh yeah, my so bad. That's a key number. Yeah, yeah, Rams plus three. So how do you see the game going? I, I know you said that you know they're. New England should win or or, co- or cover the two and a half, uh, but how do you see the game kind of flowing? Um, I think I think Goff's going to have a little bit of jitters. I think uh, maybe Patriots go go up a little bit in the 
in the first half, uh, kind of control the game. And I think then McVay is going to have to let Goff kind of rip it and uh, maybe keep it close in the second half. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, it, it, could go, it could go completely the opposite. But I think, um, you know, a lot of people on the Rams have never been in this spot before. Uh, so I think you just have you just have to think the Patriots have the control early, and then Rams might have to play a little bit of a catch up. All right. So for me, the way I see this game sort of going. So first of all, this extra week of preparation, I think, is again, you know, they're going to be doing a lot of media days, so it won't matter as much. But I think the first series is likely going to be pretty scripted for the Rams, and I think it will be a very successful one. They'll probably carve up the New England defense pretty good on that first series. So I will definitely expect uh, the Rams, especially if they get the ball first, to jump out to an early lead, probably even score a touchdown. But I think as you see the game wind down, as you see it go through its its, uh, ebbs and flows, it will likely – the New England defense will likely expose Jared Goff. I think they're going to confuse the hell out of him. I think, yeah, like you said, the spotlight, the lights, the shine – I think it's going to probably get to him as the game kind of winds down a little bit. I think he'll be comfortable at the beginning, just knowing exactly what the plays he needs to do. He doesn't need to audible. He doesn't need to change anything at the line of scrimmage. He can just do exactly what they had basically practiced in practice. But on the other side for New England, I think they're going to have a very hard time establishing the run between the tackles against Sue and against um, Donald. And I think they're going to definitely have to rely on ex-Super Bowl MVP James White and on Julian Edelman to basically move the change for chains for them. And unfortunately, you know, they're not as fast as some of these cornerbacks, but I think they'll still be able to take advantage of, you know, the outside of the Rams receive, which I don't really think is that good. I mean, Tlaib is okay, but Marcus Peters can get burned all the time. So I don't really think that there's that big of a disadvantage for there, there for them, but I think you will see Brady basically just make less mistakes than golf. And then what you're saying about the first half, I mean, this total to me is is ridiculous. I mean, I brought up the run rates. They run on 50% and 60% on first and second downs with a greater than 50% success rate. I mean, this team, they're both going to just try to run the ball pretty you know, heavily. And if either one of them is successful, this total is going way down. And I think at least one of them will likely be successful in some facet. So for – and what you were saying about the first half is you know, definitely interesting – I, just as a quick reference, the first half total is 27 and a half with New England minus one and a half. And I mean, that's not, maybe not a bad way to go either is just bet New England minus minus a half a point to win or to be leading at halftime and then bet the under there. But for me, for the total pick, I will definitely still go New England minus two and a half and I will take the under. I think my I would put like two units, though, on the under and maybe only one on the spread. I mean, I just don't see how this reaches 57 and a half unless, you know, they, they're able to hit big, big plays down the field. And again, I mentioned with new England, they don't have the deep threat really to consistently push the ball down the field. And I think the, the Patriots themselves will be able to contain Brandon cooks and Robert Woods. So I definitely see the under hitting and I will lean the Patriots so long as it stays two and a half or lower. Like you said, that is a very key number. I think it will stay there. I mean, well, one one thing I wanted to mention here is like, and this is what you know everybody says, but it's like, man, I just really hope that uh, McVeigh and Goff, you know, keep this competitive and it's and it's close. Simply because, like, I I, I don't have any. 
favoritism for either of these teams. I don't care, but it's always the worst when you have this crazy Super Bowl party and you're having a good time with your friends, having some beers, and it's just a freaking blowout. Or it's a snooze fest and they just run so much and it's just such a lowest scoring game, there's no action. So, yeah, I like a little bit of action, some key plays, big plays, and keep it close, please, God. All right, Derek, why don't you round us out with the last segment of this podcast? It is the prop bets. What are your favorite prop bets and uh, where are you going to be going with your money? Uh, all right, so let's see. What do I got here? Um, not uh, one, one favorite here in terms of the props that I've heard that is interesting to me is the jersey number of the first person that scores uh, is going to be over 26 and a half. It's favored at minus 135. Um, I particularly like that simply because uh, it's, it's not unlikely that with all the offensive weapons on the, the Ram side, if they go on the game plan on yours uh, that you described earlier, um, that could that could easily happen. There's plenty of players with a jersey number higher than that. Um, Donald Trump tw- goes to the game. Um, well, he talks so much shit about the NFL. I do not think he's going to be going to the game. <laughs> um, he's kind of has a bad rep with the league right now in terms of what he does tweet. Uh, speaking of um, tweets, over under tweets, I think it's six six and a half or something like that. The day of, um, well, it just really depends how much how many tweets he does in the morning. That guy wakes up at like four a.m. every morning and tweets like four long tweets in a essay like structure. So you already have four right there if he does that. Uh, just hope for some political, uh, so, some big news to come out or something like that that he ch- likes to just tweet against in the morning. So if he does that, then he'll he'll have a couple Super Bowl tweets. You already you already in the money. So I do like that. Um, there's one shortest TD, uh, less than one and a half yards. So I could easily anticipate uh, pass interference call in the end zone, um, and you're at the one yard line and they just hammer it in uh, with the backs. So. Um, Although I don't know the exact odds on that, it seems like a pretty good bet. It seems like most games do have a touchdown that's less than one and a half yards. So I would I would jump on that, whatever it's at. Um, <clears throat> uh, some some other just interesting ones, uh, not great bets, obviously, but the coin toss uh, in the past thirty years in the Super Bowl, there's been four instances where the same thing has been t- uh, shown up on the coin toss f- four times in a row. So. Uh, last year it flipped heads, but the four Super Bowls before that, it was tails. So there's this weird stretch where we, there are a lot of repeats in a row. So it's the changing the guard to heads last year, you know, just going on conspiracy theory, maybe go with heads this year. It's just a 50, 50 bet. So, <laughs> you know, uh, up to you, but, um, you can, you can bet on obviously the Gatorade color. That's one of the uh, most famous ones. Uh, lime green, yellow plus two twenty five is the favorite currently. Uh, for reference last year, it was yellow. And the year before that, it was nothing. There wasn't even a Gatorade shower. So my question is for this bet, if there's nothing, do you just get your money back? Cause that's not even an option in the, in the books right now. So I've, I've always, I've been curious about that because there has been a lot of times where it is nothing. So the year before that would have been Belichick, right? When they came back against. Yeah. The- the, so yeah, the, pa- the Patriots had no Gatorade shower that year. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I find I find that particularly interesting. I think if you're going to bet uh, Gatorade, usually you want to go lime green, yellow. Um, that's just my thought because they're you know there's the there's the yellow lime uh, Gatorade and there's also the the green one, I guess. So it could there's it's like a lot of options in one for the Gatorade color on that one. Plus, like last year with the Eagles, 
if you were you would think it'd be like green or yellow anyways just because there are the eagles and that's exactly what it was so um maybe just throw something out there in the team's colors that you think's going to win if the rams win it could be like could be blue but it's only been blue once and um I think the past like 30 Super Bowls or something like that. <clears throat> so for me, really quick, Super Bowl uh, MVP. Uh, I only see two, honestly, ways that this goes. I mean, if the Patriots win, there's probably no way it goes to anyone else but Tom Brady. I mean, there's just no way. And if the Rams win, it's likely because they ran the shit out of the ball and the Patriots couldn't do anything about it, in which case give it to fat man CJ Anderson plus 2,000. Todd Gurley, there is there is some insane value. In yeah, there. There, there really Plus is two thousand. I mean, I mean if, like seriously, if he if he runs for one hundred and fifty <laughs> yards, they're winning the Super Bowl. He's getting the Super Bowl MVP. It's crazy because you know the man throw, was sitting on his couch like a month ago. But I mean, that's real. <laughs> like, th- there's no way yeah. the Rams are winning the Super Bowl for. And I I just okay, I guess there is a way, but I don't see the Jerry Goff throwing for three hundred yards in this game and three touchdowns. I see the way that they win is they run the shit out of the ball and they just destroy New England's linebackers. I mean, in which case, Todd Gurley's at plus 1,300. The guy saw four snaps in the NFC Championship. That's like the biggest spot. The guy said he was healthy. He was just literally stretching and running on a Peloton bike the entire fucking game. So give me fat man CJ Anderson plus 2,000. That is an insane value to me. The other one I was looking at was Sean McVay's age. So I think Tony Romo just throws a wild card into this broadcast that that books are just not ready for. They have this as over under one and a half that Sean McVay's age will be brought up. Tony Romo could bring it up three times in one sentence. Yeah, that that that, that is very interesting. And then, can Tony Romo bet on this? <laughs> like, what's what's the rule? Like, could, could you just like totally twist this in your favor? <laughs> the funny the other one is speaking of Tony what they have another one what will he be doing at the start of the 2019 NFL season TV analyst minus 500 playing in the NFL plus 300 and then playing as a coordinator offense plus 500 defense plus 1600 that it's it's just funny they think that it's a little more likely he plays in the NFL before he becomes an OC well okay so according to that they're they're thinking it's higher chance uh he's going to become a defensive coordinator next year than CJ Anderson can get the uh Super Bowl MVP <laughs> so uh interesting <laughs> uh they're just probably wanting people to bite on that that's pretty ridiculous so why would he not be a TV analyst he's like a savant on there it's like so entertaining to listen to yeah i i just I he really likes to play, man. Yeah. I mean, the guy really, really likes football, and like, there's a lot of teams with bad quarterbacks. And I think he probably won't. He probably likes not getting hit all the time, and he honestly would only play for a team that's a Super Bowl caliber team. And there's not many of them, so I mean, or not many of them with you know quarterback situations they hate. Um, let's get the the big one, the national anthem. Over under a minute and forty seven. Derek, where are you going? Mm. Um, I always like going over on the national anthem on Super Bowl simply because uh, they always make it so grandiose. It always seems like they're always doing like the craziest, the, the most, the the craziest performance ever. In the in the, it's just it's just getting more insane every year. Like what that one year with the drones and like Lady Gaga or whatever. I, I, was that two years ago or last? year? I don't remember. But that was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Took forever. But actually, I think that bet begins when they start singing, right? So maybe, maybe, hmm. I have to, I don't, do you have, do you have the stats on how long it's been the past years? I don't have that pulled up right now, but 
Oh, that'd be interesting. No, I, I usually pull that up. Um, I'll go under. I just I feel like if I was a singer, I'd want to just get out of there as quickly as possible. That's, that's but obviously, true. I don't have the advanced analytics, the, the data-backed science to prove that. Um, uh, another one I'm looking at, will either team not punt during the game? I think that's kind of uh, an easy no. I mean – these offenses have been, yeah, like I said, run heavy, one holding call, and there you go. It's probably going to be a punt, right? Yeah. I mean, minus, no is minus 3,500, so, you know, you're paying a hefty tax, but yes is only plus 900. I don't really see that as a value. That seems, that seems like a gimme right there, but then again, it's not that fun to bet the heavy favorite. <laughs> um. Hey, the, what about what about James Harden's streak? As a, as a Rockets fan, I like this. James Harden's streak on the Super Bowl. What will finish first, his 30-point-per-game streak or Super Bowl 53? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, the, I think the Rockets have, what, like three more games until Super Bowl um, 53? So, he has to do it three more times. They have about even odds for, for either one. But <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. I mean, this, this Harden offensive streak has been absolutely insane. Dude, I, I'm looking so – the other ones I'm looking at right now are 1v1's uh, commercials. Oh, yeah. Uh, which <laughs> one will appear first? I mean, these are hilarious. Uh, I, I mean, I, maybe not hilarious, but just interesting. Doritos versus Pringles. They got Bubbly versus Pepsi. I don't even know what bubbly is, but they have the same odds as Pepsi, both minus minus one twenty. I think I'm easily going Pepsi there, right? I mean, I don't even know what bubbly is. I've never even heard of that, but they, they must they must have it. They must have know some secret or something like that. I've never even heard of that before. Also, there's a there's five on a alcohol uh, props. Which commercial will appear first? Budweiser, Bud Light, Stella Artois, Mick Ultra. I might have some insider trading info there, but I'm not trying to pull a Mickelson. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, I, I mean, uh, it's it's Bud Light favorite right now. I mean, knowing knowing the Bud Knight commercials and all that stuff. I mean, surely, surely that's gonna. I'm not surprised yeah. that's favorite. I mean, those are hilarious. Um, any first touchdown props? Mm. I kind of like CJ Anderson plus seven hundred. Again, I mean, I, I seriously, I see this. If the Rams win one way to me, it's because CJ Anderson runs the fat out of him and just goes for like two hundred. Yeah, I mean, you you could definitely it, you could definitely do a bunch of, a bunch of, of CJ Anderson. If you think the Rams are going to keep it close and like you know potentially win, uh, a lot of CJ Anderson yeah. bets. I mean, why would you not? I think I think ever since Week 16, CJ Anderson's averaged what like 100 plus yards, and Gurley's only averaged like 67. I, I don't remember the numbers, but it's it's pretty ridiculous, and it's not just last last game. Yeah. It's been for a while. The weirdest part is that I mean. Again, I I know why it is, but if you look a little closer, it it doesn't make sense. Todd Gurley is like more favored in all of these than CJ Anderson. Again, like they're literally not playing the guy. He it just stopped being and if he stopped being effective, they got the fat man out of the couch. Somehow or another, he's more effective. They're just rolling with him. I mean, it, it's just simple as that. Hey, what, about, what, about, uh, what about the no touchdown scorer for plus 10,000? I saw that. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> hey, this will be a field, oh, field, a field goal game with Goskowski and Zerline. That's hilarious. All right, that's enough prop bets. Um, hope everyone has a good, fun Super Bowl. Lots of parties. Definitely wings is the obviously the goat choice. Hey, speaking, of of, speaking of wings, by the way, if this, if this goes to overtime, Buffalo Wild Wings is giving everybody free wings. So, I mean, um, all right. There's only been one overtime in like Super Bowl history or something ridiculous like that. But let's get some free wings, people. Let's get a good game going to overtime. 
That's a great idea. All right. For Derek, I am Joey. Have a good Super Bowl, folks. See you later.